Good morning, uh, Element. How are you guys doing today? Good. Um, as Monica said, my name is Trevor Smith. Uh, Adam and Elena are out on vacation, and so they got me to come up and talk. Hopefully, being the C team, um, it won't be too bad. At least I'm not the D team because that's below average and that would be really bad. Um, but I'm, I'm super excited because uh, today I get to um, conclude the sermon series that we've been talking about. Cam started a couple weeks ago, uh, Happiness and uh, the Art of Losing Ourselves. And um, I mean, I'm, I'm just super excited. Who doesn't love talking about happiness? Um, and I get to talk about one of my favorite things, uh, toys. Um, I love toys, as many of you probably know. Um, and so we're going to dive right into it. And if you haven't been here, let me recap a little bit for you what's gone on the last couple of weeks. And so uh, Cam started by um, uh, introducing this happiness paradox. And this happiness paradox is that uh, the more that we pursue happiness, the less happier um, we are or we become. And when I first heard this, it, I was a little confused about it. Like, how can I be happy if I'm not trying to be happy, right? Like, there has to be a little effort on my part um, in order to, uh, to reach this level of happiness. But um, as Cam unwrapped it, he, he started talking about yum-yum happiness, right? And our, our search for individualistic uh, pleasures. And as Cam described it, we, we jump right into the, the, the theory of the, the thrills and bills of what's going, you know, of the pursuit in our lives. And, and, and we break it down that the thrills are the things that we do, right? We're, we're looking for happiness, and we're trying to achieve happiness by doing more things. And, and, and Cam uh, last week was talking about, you know, but we, we continuously add more and more and more and more, right? Because we go from one event to another event to another event, and we end up making our lives, like, miserable because... We have so much stuff going on, and we're in this constant state of hurriness. And, um, and it, this is, I mean, it's, it's very evident in our culture that this is, this is going on, right? Because our culture is, is in this such a high level of pursuit of happiness, um, but we've never been um, as unhappy as we are now. Uh, along with the, the thrills, uh, Cam, Cam spoke about the, the, this mantra, this mantra of the more I do, the happier I'll be. The more I do, the happier I'll be. And again, just going back, it's, it's this continuous attempt to uh, find happiness in the things that we do. Uh, and and uh, people who live by this mantra end up uh, contracting this rare disease, right? It's a really uh, rare disease. It's sometimes contagious. It's called FOMO disease. Uh, as, as a reminder, FOMO stands for the fear of missing out. And I, I, have, I have people I know that, that suffer from it. Um, I think it's most prevalent in teenagers. Uh, if you have a teenager, I'm mean, sorry, not the teenagers in here. Uh, but if you have a teenager, you, 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 see, you see this. It's very evident in that um, they'll ask one of their friends, hey, do you want to go do something? And their friend will be like, uh, I'll, I'll let you know, Right. And they just keep putting them off and putting them off and putting them off until the very last minute. And then they'll either say yes or no, right? And the reason that they do this is because they're afraid that if they commit too soon or too early, that they'll miss out on something else, something better, right? And so, um, 
So today we're going to, to switch this up a little bit and move away from the more I do, the happier I'll be, to the more I get, the happier I'll be, right? And this is really getting to that bill side of things, uh, thinking about uh, if I just get this, this next thing, whatever that thing is for you, right? I know almost everybody has an Apple phone. Um, you probably have had 25 Apple phones by now. Uh, because they come out with a new one every other. <laughs> Mary's going, I've just had two. I've only had two. Um, and that's okay. Good, good job, Mary. Um, <laughs> uh, but we, we just continuously try to get new things and, and more things, and we end up having all these things in our lives. Uh, and then one day we look around and we just feel empty. We, f- we realize that those things did not add happiness to our lives. When I think about getting all these things, I think of, like, what is the pinnacle moment? Like, if, if you could have the pinnacle moment, the, the ability to get anything and everything you want, what would that be? And it, what came to mind was winning the lottery, right? I know I've daydreamed about winning the lottery a couple of times. I'm sure, I hope, I'm not the only one. Um, but I, even more so when there's financial struggles going on, right? And I just start thinking that, if I just win the lottery, I'd be so happy. I could buy everything that I wanted. I'd have my ZL1 Camaro. I'd have my Ford uh, Shelby Mustang. Uh, I'd have my Challenger, my Dodge Challenger, just uh, for those days I don't feel like having fun. Um, just kidding, Dodge owners. Um, anyway, um, but I would, I would just be able to buy all of this stuff and, and it would make me happy. And what we realize is that that's not the case. And in fact, there's been some studies done on it, and I have a couple of quotes up here from some of the studies, that lottery winners, instead of getting people um, out of the financial trouble, it actually gets them um, bankruptcy rates soar for lottery winners three to five years after winning. Does that make sense? Like today, if if somebody in here won the lottery, their chances of filing bankruptcy in three to five years is greater than everybody else's in here. And it's just, it's, it's, it's interesting to me. And then this other one goes along with it and it maybe jumps into it a little bit more, but whether they win $500 million or a million dollars, about 70% of lotto winners lose or spend their money within five years or less. It's insane, right? I sat down and I figured that I had to figure it out. I'm like, how much money do I have to spend or lose every day if I won $500 million? Just for those who need to know, like I did, it's $275,000 a day. And that's as long as like, you don't make any money off of your other money. $275,000 a day. Now, I might be a volunteer here to try that experiment out to see if we can make me happy. I will be happy to spend a day. But, you know, diving into some of this stuff, um, there's a couple more stats I just want to talk about real quick, is we don't have to win the lottery to understand this. This this concept of having money can get us, doesn't get us happiness. Um, In fact, did you know that Colorado um, has the eighth highest median household income in the United States? We're actually $12,000 per household higher than the United States average, right? So it's 65,000 for the United States, it's 77,000 for 
Colorado. Does anybody have a guess what the world median household income is? It's $10,000. $10,000. So basically what it's saying is that if you are, are since we're in Colorado, if you're making, your household's making that $75,000, you are wealthier than 91% of the world. Right? 91% of the world. And as we sit here and think about that and all, and all the things that we actually do have, are, are we any more happier because of it? And I think it's great that we talk about some of these stats. And, and some of these you might have already heard of before, you might have already realized. But I want to take it and, and talk a little bit about some personal stories of, of, like, of some famous people. Um, some of them you may know and some of you may not. Um, but people that from the outside looking in, it looks like they have everything, right? They're famous, they have money, they have like all the things that a lot of us at some point have desired to have in our lives. Now the first, first person I want to talk to is Kelly Clark. Now you might not know who Kelly Clark is, and no it's not Kelly Clarkson, completely different person. Um, but Kelly Clark, in her early 20s, was given a title of the, uh, I'll, get, I'll mess it up, I know, um, is the world's best snowboarding half pipe, pipe, half pipe rider in the world. I know my family's laughing. We had a big discussion about pike or pipe. Anyway, um, but the, the best, the world's best snowboarding half pipe rider in the world at 20 years old, right? That's amazing. She already had Olympic gold. She had fame. She had fortune. Um, but she, she, was, she found herself sitting in her hotel room during a competition, and she just said, none of this matters. Like, I, I, I sit here now, and I feel completely empty, and she didn't know what to do. The next day, she returned to the competition, and she ran into or overheard a snowboarder talking to another rider uh, who, who didn't qualify. And uh, the, the snowboarder said, you know, it's okay, it's okay, God still loves you. And, and Kelly was, was thinking, like, why, what, what does God have to do with any of this, right? Um, and I don't know if she remembered then or if she found it later, but she re, she, when she went back to the hotel room, she picked up the Bible, right? And she started reading the Bible from the, in the hotel room, and she started doing her own study. And a couple weeks later, she gave her, her life to Christ, and, and I have a couple quotes on here, and, and I want to just dive into them real quick. And she said, I love the Olympics perhaps more than anyone. I think it's easy as an athlete to get caught up in this one pinnacle event every four years, but you don't need to treat it as something that should define your career. It should be a part of your journey, not the end of your journey. And I think that last, those last couple of, of sentences really sums it up, right? When we're talking about thrills and bills that... It's, they're, they're part of your journey, but it's not the end of your journey. And if you try to make these, these, these uh, bills the end of your journey, it's not going to lead to happiness. And the other one says, it, 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 it and she's talking about coming to Christ, it uh, ended up freeing up my snowboarding more than ever. I was no longer going from event to event to feel good about myself. I had that part, the, the feeling good about yourself, herself, set aside 
um, for what she did. So my snowboarding has been dramatically impacted. My snowboarding has become much freer. She took her pursuit of happiness from the things that she did and the things that she had and placed it in Jesus. And by doing so, it made the things that she had and the things that she did more free. She enjoyed it even more, right? Um, oh, so before I move on, I want to talk about this picture. I, pi- I selected this picture because, you know, there's, I think they're called rebus, rebus puzzles. Um, and that's when you look at a picture and the picture tells you something and makes a phrase or a sentence, right? So just as a quick example, it's like you have two lines on a piece of paper and then in between it says read. And it's that the phrase is read between the lines. Her snowboard is a rebus puzzle. Can anybody figure it out? And yes, Mary, I know you asked. You can, you can answer if you want. <laughs> All right. This one's a hard one. It's really, it really is. So on her snowboard, she has all of the names of her sponsors, right? And at the top of the snowboard, it says Jesus. Jesus, name above all names. Right? I love it. Um, so next person I want to talk about is a known philosopher, um, known poet. Many of you know who this person is. It is Justin Bieber. I know, when I said Justin Bieber, it probably elicited some sort of response from you, right? Either you think the guy's a terrible person, maybe, um, not your favorite person, let's put it nicely. He's not your favorite person in the world. Uh, Many of you might be believers, right? Believers are out there, right? Shout out. Um, But, and some of you probably don't even know who I'm talking about, and that's okay too. But um, Justin uh, here was, was discovered, his talent was discovered when he was like 15, 16. He was young, right? Um, and he reached this pinnacle of fame pretty quickly. And he found himself um, feeling lonely. And in fact, he wrote a song titled Lonely, which is about having all of this, this stuff, fame and fortune and, 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 and other stuff, and, and yet still having, having this feeling of emptiness. And he has a really good quote. Uh, and you, you wake up one day and you're unhappy. You have all this success and you have all the, this success in the world, but you're just like, well, what is it worth if I'm still feeling empty? Now, I don't, I don't know if you guys know this, but, but Justin actually did declare Jesus as his Lord and Savior, I think a couple of years ago. And he does go out and do some talks and, and, and things like that, sharing his faith in Jesus. And I was mentioning that to Christy because, like, we didn't know that before. And, and it's one thing is, like, our culture doesn't throw that out there. It's not, it's not acceptable. But he is a, definitely a man of, of, of faith. So I, I've talked about a couple of, of famous people's stories, but I want to make it a little more personal before we continue on. Does anybody in here have a phrase that when you say it to somebody, they know what you're really saying or what you're about to talk about. I have one of those. It is Christy, I've been thinking, right? If I go to Christy and say, Christy, I've been thinking, she knows, or at least she thinks she knows, that I'm going to talk about buying a new car, buying a new house, or going back to school. If you don't know me very well, you know I've used this phrase recently because I bought a new car and I'm in school. I don't have the new house yet. I'm still working on it. I'm just kidding. 
Um, but I used to say this a lot because I was trying to find my happiness in the things that I was buying, right? I've probably owned 15 sports cars, maybe even more than that, over the last 15 years, right? I keep some of them for a year, some of them for a couple months, right? But I, I, was, I kept trying to buy these, these sports cars in order to fill this emptiness inside of me. And when it didn't work, I just wanted to get rid of it, right? When it didn't make me happy, I just wanted to get rid of it. And, and I'm not talking about, like, in happiness, yeah, these, these things would make me happy, make me happy for a, a day, a, a week, or a month. Um, but in the end, um, my pursuit of happiness through things just failed. Now, I want to be clear on something. I'm not saying having nice cars, having nice homes, um, or, or whatever your toys are is a bad thing. They're not. And like Kelly said, there are things that are, that are on your path to the end as long as you're not making them the end point. Um, but as we talk about happiness, um, Jesus comes into the picture and he, he throws our, our culture's definition of happiness upside down. And Cam mentioned this in, a, in the memory verse uh, that he, meant, he talked about in week one, and that was from Matthew uh, 16. And it says, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Right? Here, Jesus is talking about getting rid of our stuff, right? Because our stuff has a grip on our lives. And, and if we get rid of our stuff, then we're freed up in order to be saved and, and with, from, with, saved by Jesus, right? We're able to open ourselves up uh, for Jesus. And one of the things when I looked at this, and I, I think Cam mentioned it, was the use of life in here. When I first saw this verse, I thought it was saying that if I get rid of all my stuff now, that I will have a great eternal life. And, and to be clear, that's not what it's, it's saying. Yes, it is saying that, but it's also saying that if I get rid of my stuff and I don't, and I, I um, release the grip of of this trying to get my happiness through stuff, if I release it now, my life now will be better, right? I will gain my life now when I switch uh, what drives my, my happiness. Um, and we, got, we have another one too because um, when, we, when we are looking for stuff to drive our happiness, we end up having this internal conflict with ourselves, right? Like, it's not giving me happiness, so I'm going to keep going out there. Um, and, and Jesus talks about it as well when he says, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. I mean, that's very clear. That's very clear that we cannot put the things in our life above God. It won't work. We're going to love one and hate the other. We're going to despise one and, what was it, honor the other one. Um, but, but we have to choose. We have to choose. And Jesus is the way that we break the hold. Or, through Jesus, we break the hold on our stuff. Um, so when, 
So when we're talking about um, breaking the hold, what is the thing that, that helps us break that hold? And generosity is it. It is the discipline of giving that breaks the hold on our money. So um, there's a couple of, our culture, when we talk about trying to break this grip on, on things, our culture uh, tries to give us some false truths, right? I call them myths. The, our culture gives us some myths. And I want to I talk about a couple of those myths now. Uh, now. Uh, the first one is, I give because I am generous. I give because I'm generous. No, you are generous because you give. Now, if, if this doesn't make sense, let me give you another example. Um, for those of you who like to work out, um, do you lift weights because you're strong? Or do you lift weights to become stronger? Right? It's the same concept that we can apply here, that we are not, uh, we don't give because we're generous. We're generous because we give. The more we give, the more generous we, we become or the more that we can become. Uh, another one is, if I had more money, then I would give. And that's false. And it, it actually shows that the, the more, uh, the wealthier you are, the less you give. And we're talking like percentage-wise, right? So um, that's, that, uh, that is the truth here, is that the wealthier you are, the less you give. And the last one is, my giving is, is too small. And the truth is, that all generosity breaks the grip money has on our lives. And there's a, there's a, a Bible verse that I think, I think it encompasses all three of these myths uh, into one. And this is where uh, Jesus is at the temple and he's sitting by the treasury and he's watching people give to the, to the treasury. And, and it says he sat down, uh, I'm sorry, it's Mark 12. He sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums of money. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which makes a penny. And he called his disciples to him and he said to them, truly, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all these who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their wealth, their abundance, I'm sorry, out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. And I think Jesus here is like super excited that for this widow, there was no grip of money on her life. And it was clear that she was turning everything over to Jesus, like literally everything over to God um, because uh, she gave everything that she had uh, to the offering. So going back to it, generosity breaks the grip of money in our lives. Generosity breaks the grip of money in our lives. So I do want to get to a couple practical um, giving um, solutions if, if you're not super experienced with giving. Uh, some of these, I, I used them myself when I was first learning how to, to give. Um, but then I continue to use them today because um, it, it's super helpful. And the first one is uh, to set up a, a certain um, percentage of, of whatever comes in, of all things that come in, 
and then just give it away. Just give it away. There's been studies out there that show you, that you need to do this right away because our generosity fluctuates with our paychecks. Right? What I mean by that is the day you get paid, you are the most generous. And then as you pay your bills and do all the other expenses and everything else, your generosity sometimes wanes down. And then you get paid again and it goes back up. All right? So by doing it early and doing it first, it allows us to, to, to break that, that process. Um, the second one is, if you're, if you're starting out, I, I know for me, um, when I think about like giving 10% of my income, that's, that's huge, right? Um, and that, to me, like money still has a little grip, like, like I, I would be, I'd struggle with it, right? Um, so one of the things that I started off doing is um, giving a, a small percentage and then continuously add to that every every once in a while, right? Every year is always a good one. It reminds me of what I did with my 401k the first time I signed up for my 401k, right? I, I signed up and I gave a couple of percents and then every year I signed up for this automatic increase every year, right? And as we continue to um, do that, we continue to give, um, it, it continues to break that grip that we have on, on our money. Now, I know, I know some of you um, are, are probably thinking, uh, well, whenever somebody stands up here and talks about giving, that means they're talking about giving to the church. And that's not necessary. That's not what I'm talking about. That's not what this is for today. We are talking about giving. Just giving. It doesn't have to be to the church. It can be to anyone. Right? The church believes in this so much that we have a surprise for you. If you thought the Oreos were good, not even close, all right? So, I believe my twin girls will be out here helping me out as you guys leave. But what we're going to do is we're going to give you money to give away. So everyone over the age of 10 can participate in this. On your way out, stop by, I think it's the coffee, I don't know what table that is anymore, the welcome table. Um, and somebody will be there and we'll give you five dollars for anyone over the age of ten. We'll give you five dollars. The only rule is you have to give it away. Give it to whoever you want to give it to. Um, as long as you're blessing someone with it, that's all, that's all, that's the only rule. It's the only rule. Alright. Now, in keeping in course with um, this series, I do want to leave you with a couple of reflection questions. The reflect reflection questions are, think of the last three purchases you made that you were dying to get, and then how long did they bring you joy, satisfaction in your life? Did your happiness change drastically with your last raise? And the third one is, uh, starting to think about how to give and where to give, uh, name three places you could start giving money to tomorrow. Right. Let me pray, and then Kyle will come out and sing. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you so much for this time. Thank you so much for this message. Uh, I pray that, uh, or we pray that it, it reaches us right where we're at, um, wherever we're at in our, our life of giving, in our pursuit of happiness. And I pray that we all 
um, change our pursuit to you because you are the only true path to happiness. Uh, and as we leave here today, um, help us incorporate this practice of giving that you have laid out uh, for us in our day-to-day -day life. And wherever we see a need, even uh, that we just uh, open ourselves up to, to that need and, and give uh, generously. In Jesus' name, amen.